Today we're going to continue with the series on repentance from dead works, which is the first uh, of the foundational doctrines taught to us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And uh, there are six foundational doctrines, and uh, those doctrines are repentance from dead works, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So we've seen, we've had a look at the various aspects of this doctrine of repentance from dead works up until now. We've looked at the fact that um, what repentance is, um, we're not going to go through all of that again. We've had a look at what dead works are. In fact, the dead works are in fact sin. And so <clears throat> the doctrine is really dealing with how the believer in Christ Jesus is able to walk free from sin. For it is the will of the Lord that we should walk free from sin. It's never, it was never taught us in Scripture that Christians, when they become believers, that they will no longer commit any sin. What it is taught to us in the Bible is that it is possible for us, for our Lord has made this possible, for us to walk free from sin. And so we had a look at various aspects of sin. We saw that our Lord has paid the price for us and that we have been washed and cleansed from all sin when we come into the kingdom of God. Um, and we're not going to go through that uh, series again because so that you can look at it in previous teachings. In our previous teaching uh, prior to this one, we're dealing with the, um, the section that, uh, of that doctrine in the fact that we have been freed from sin. It's very important for us as believers to understand the concept of the fact that we have been freed from sin um, because unless we truly understand that and believe that, uh, we can never practice it. For as long as the church is held in bondage in that she doesn't believe that she can, she's been freed from sin, she doesn't believe that she can walk free from sin, she will never do that. She'll never walk free from sin because um, Satan basically has got us bound before we even start. Anything that we're going to receive from God, we have to receive by faith. Nothing, we receive nothing from the Lord except by faith. And so if you're going to receive the righteousness of God, people say, yeah, but we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is correct. But it is important for us to walk in that righteousness. Time and again, the apostles teach us that we are to walk worthy of the calling with which we have been called. And uh, if we've been called um, to be his righteousness, then we should walk in that righteousness. And we have that ability and that is one of the, the truths that we're wanting to put across. And it should be taught, because this is the very first doctrine that should be taught to all newborn believers as they come into the kingdom of God, that it is entirely possible for Christians to walk completely free from sin and have no sin in their lives. And because sin has uh, terrible consequences, always. There's never any good consequence that comes out of sin. And um, sin always has a consequence. Sin never is just, in the kingdom of God, just is never just uh, swept under the rug, so to speak. Uh, when one commits sin, there is a price that has to be paid. And so it is the, the will of the Lord that his children should actually walk free from sin, so that Satan has no place in us. For Satan can only gain a foothold in our lives through the avenue of sin. And so it is, it is his... Um, stated aim almost is to um, keep believers in sin. Now one of the ways, the, 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 the best ways that he does this is to convince believers that that's impossible for them to not commit sin. 
Um, and so if he can get them to believe that, that they can't live this life, this Christian life, without committing sin, uh, well, then that's it. He's got them straight away because you cannot now exercise faith toward God that you are going to walk in righteousness if you truly believe that you cannot stop sinning um, because uh, your, your, your belief in the fact that you will always sin is uh, always going to hinder you from walking in righteousness. You'll not receive the righteousness of God from the point of view of it being made manifest through your life. And so he, uh, Satan comes up with, the, the, with sayings that he puts into the church and a, a saying that is very common in the church is that we are all sinners saved by grace. And uh, there is an element of truth in that, but most of it is a lie. We were all sinners and we are all saved by grace. And so, you know, to, to say that we are all sinners saved by grace is to imply that we're all still sinners. We're saved by grace and God understands that we're sinners. And um, we will stay sinners until such a time as we leave uh, the earth. And then when we get to heaven, then at last we will stop sinning. But until there's such a time as we uh, leave the, this planet, um, from the time we're born again until, until the time we leave the planet, we're sinners. We're going to sin. That's, that's part and parcel of what being a Christian is all about, is that you're, you're doomed to commit sin for the rest of your Christian walk. There's no difference, in other words, between you and the sinner. The only difference is, is the sinner is going to go to hell when he dies, and the, the, the saint will go to heaven when he dies. But they both live as sinners uh, while they're on the earth. And that is the kind of, it's a warped doctrine, but that is kind of the doctrine that, that is, pervades the church, that the church is convinced that they are sinners, and there's nothing that God can do about that fact. That uh, you know, he, we're His children, but nevertheless, we're sinners, and we're going to we're going to sin, and we're going to commit sin every day, and we're going to commit every sin every day of our lives until such a time as we get to heaven, and then and only then can God finally say, "Okay, now you're free from sin." And that's not the Bible at all. That's not what the Bible teaches us at all. That's what Satan likes to teach the church. And by and large, the church has bought that lie and uh, lives by it uh, quite uh, proudly almost. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. And it's only God's grace that gets me into heaven. Uh, but God understands I'm a sinner. No, that's not the case at all. God never uh, intended for his children to be classified as sinners. That's not a, a good testimony for the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ our Lord and for the power of God who has redeemed us from sin and set us free from sin. And we saw that uh, very uh, uh, clear little uh, uh, statement made by the Apostle Paul when uh, he wrote to Timothy. And he put himself forward uh, to Timothy as an example of one whom the Lord had set free from sin and uh, how he now was able to walk free from sin because of the, the price paid by our Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the things that Paul makes at the end of that statement, um, for he says, I used to be a, a blasphemer and an insolent person. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he, he classified himself as, as, as a pretty bad sinner, really. And he was a persecutor of the church. Um, and toward the end of that statement, he says that 
um, of all sinners of whom I am chief. Translate, and I just want to uh, find the scripture. Um, the, the scripture is in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. We'll start it off here. It says, this is Paul testifying of himself. Well, we'll start at verse 12. He says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundantly with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then the scripture in the Bible says, in all the translations, says, of whom I am chief. Now, Paul never said that. He said, of whom I was chief. Uh, Paul is stating what he used to be like. For He says, I, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecuted and an insolent man. He's, he's, he's showing us what his sinful state used to be like. Christ Jesus has since got hold of him. He's now been saved, and he used to be the chief of sinners. He doesn't claim to be the chief of sinners anymore. In fact, Paul, in his writing to the church in Corinth, says, I know nothing against myself. And so Paul lived a righteous life before the Lord, and he could do so because he understood that uh, Christ had set him free from sin, and he didn't have to walk in sin any longer. And we as believers also can uh, follow after Paul's example and also walk free from sin. And so the lie has been put into the church that uh, we're all just sinners, we're saved by grace, and uh, God can't do anything about it. Uh, will he only be able to solve the problem when we get to heaven? But that's not the case at all. Then we had a look at in the previous teaching about the fact that uh, it's very important for us to understand if we're going to understand the, this teaching on, on how to walk free from sin and the fact that we've been freed from sin, we do need to understand how, the makeup of man. Man is a, a spirit being. He has a soul and he lives inside a physical body. And when we're born again, we've had a look at the fact that it is our spirits that are born again. And our spirits are born again of incorruptible seed, means they cannot be corrupted. And we saw John, uh, John's writing in the epistles that he who is born of God cannot sin. And so it is our spirit that cannot sin. And because our spirit can't sin and is completely uh, sinless and it dwells within the righteousness of God, that the Holy Spirit then takes up residence in our spirits because the Holy Spirit cannot reside in the presence of sin. But because our spirits are sinless, the Holy Spirit under the new covenant can take up residence in our spirits. And so we saw that it is our, in our spirits that we cannot sin. It's impossible for the spirit of the born-again believer to sin. Not so for the spirit of the unbeliever. The spirit of the unbeliever has the nature of the devil and can only commit sin. Um, has uh, no problem with committing sin. It cannot walk in righteousness because the, the very nature of the unbelievers spirit is unrighteous and uh, cannot practice righteousness at all only has the nature of their father the devil uh, who only knows how to sin but once we're born again God is now our father our spirits come from God and our spirits are perfect and they cannot sin impossible for a spirit of the born again believer to sin and so we now come to the the, the aspect of well, where does sin come from in the Christian's life? Because sin does occur. We, we all know that we do commit sin from time to time. Now, if my spirit, which is born of God, 
cannot sin uh, because it has the nature of God. Where does sin come from when the Christian does commit sin? Well, it comes from our flesh because our flesh can only sin. Uh, whereas our spirits cannot sin, our spirits have no capacity to commit sin, our flesh, on the other hand, only has capacity to sin. And we had a look in the previous teaching that uh, our flesh is made up of these physical bodies that we dwell in, um, and our flesh is made up of our carnal minds uh, that we bring into the kingdom of God. So we saw when we were born again, our spirits are changed, and our spirits take on the new nature of God. For if any man be in Christ... He is a new creation. All things have passed away and all things have become new and all things are of God. And so it's the spirit of man becomes brand new. The mind of man has to be renewed. Romans uh, chapter 12 verses 2 says, And be no longer conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so we, when we come into the kingdom of God, we still have our same thought pattern that we had before we came in. And that thought pattern has to be changed. And we have that capacity. The Bible gives us the ability to renew our minds, to think now in line with the way God thinks. And as our minds are renewed, they transition from being carnal in their thought, in their thinking, to becoming spiritual in their thinking. And one who is spiritually minded is one who um, thinks as the Word of God uh, speaks. And so whatever the Word of God says about a situation, the spiritually minded believer thinks along those lines and no longer thinks as the world thinks and that is what uh, the bible teaches us to do with regards to our minds with regards to our bodies we said that our bodies don't change at all when we come into the kingdom of god we will receive uh, our resurrected bodies when our lord jesus returns to the earth uh, one of the things we also saw was that our, uh, although we do renew our minds in this life and we do transition from being carnally minded to becoming spiritually minded, from being bathed in Christ to becoming mature in Christ. Even though our knowledge grows exponentially during this life, we will never know everything as we ought to know in this life. Because even Paul, who had received so much revelation from the Lord, said we know in part. And you know, we prophesy in part. But he said, but when the perfect has come, that which was in part shall be done away with. And he's talking about when we leave this life to be with the Lord Jesus, we will then at that time have perfect knowledge. And so we at that time when we meet the Lord, um, our minds are completely uh, uh, tra uh, transformed to th only thinking as the Lord thinks. Then there's no more carnal thinking once we leave this life. But while we're in this life, um, our minds, as much as the Lord reveals to us, we still don't know it all. But we can do away with all carnal thinking because carnal thinking is uh, something that is quite easily overcome as we spend time in the Word of God. But we do not have full and complete knowledge because full and complete knowledge abides with the Lord and that will only be given to us once we uh, are with the Lord when we leave our bodies. So that's the, the, the carnal mind. Um, and then the body of man. The body of man does not change at all. And um, we'll have a look at scripture. But these bodies that we've inherited uh, come from Adam. And so when Adam committed sin, um, he died spiritually on that day. When he did, sin entered into his physical body for the very first time. 
and it went into his bloodstream. And it's a sin is like a virus, really. And that sin virus has been passed down from generation to generation through the bloodline of Adam. And each one of us inherits that sin uh, virus in the earthly tents that we dwell in. Now, that sin virus does not dwell in our spirits, for our spirits come from God, when we're born again, that is. Um, and so our spirits are completely unaffected by the sin virus that still dwells inside these earthly tents, these, these physical bodies that we dwell in. And um, it's our, our mortal bodies that we have in, inherited from Adam. And because uh, they're sinful, the desire of the flesh is only to sin. For the, sin finds, um, sin, the flesh finds sin pleasurable, and so it only wants to ever commit sin. Um, there is no capacity in our, our mortal bodies to walk in righteousness, uh, for they are um, contaminated by sin. There's no, no, no righteousness in these bodies that we dwell in. Now, the Spirit of God which dwells within us can give life to these mortal bodies, and we can present these mortal bodies as instruments of righteousness unto God because we control them. But left to their own devices, our mortal bodies would, want, would only want to commit sin. Uh, they have a will of their own. The Bible speaks about the will of the flesh. And then the carnal mind is, well, we'll get to that scripture as well, but the Bible talks about the fact that the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it cannot be subject to the law of God, is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. And so the carnal mind is completely against God and completely against His Word. It is only the spiritual mind that is subservient to the Word of God and submissive to the Word of God. The carnal mind will always rebel against the Word of God and thus obviously rebel against God. So there's absolutely nothing good about the flesh. The flesh cannot please God at all, for the flesh is completely against God. And so we have this scenario when we come into the kingdom of God that are these spirits that are born again are desirous of pleasing God and serving God completely. But the flesh that our spirits reside in are desirous of being rebellious against God and not serving God at all. And that includes the carnal mind. And so the Christian is sitting in this um, quandary kind of when they come into the kingdom of God that there is this, these two opposing forces that are playing upon the Christian's life and let's have a look at what the Apostle Paul um, wrote about that particular fact and, and, and what it is that he learned uh, about that and we pick it up in Romans chapter 7 beginning at verse 14 the scripture says for we know that the law is spiritual Remember, we're talking about um, the Word of God being uh, spiritual. Uh, we're born of the, of the Word of God, the incorruptible seed of, of God, which is our spirits. And so everything about God, for God is a spirit, and He is the Father of spirits, um, is spiritual. This whole covenant that we're under, under the new covenant, is a spiritual covenant. For we're to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. Um, as we go through this teaching, you will see that if we're going to um, walk free, of, free from sin, it can only be done in the Spirit. And so the, the Word of God, the law of God, is spiritual because it's spirit to spirit. Um, but Paul says, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Now what he's saying here is this is when he comes into the kingdom of God. He's a baby Christian. And so a baby Christian is classified as a carnal Christian. Paul calls the church of Corinth carnal. 
Uh, he calls them babes in Christ. And he says, but you are still carnal. And then he said, the reason you're still carnal is because there's still envy in you and all these other things. And he said, I can't treat you like um, uh, spiritual Christians because you're still behaving like carnal Christians. And so all baby Christians, when they come into the kingdom of God, are classified as carnal believers because they haven't yet transitioned from carnal thinking to, to spiritual thinking. And so they're still carnal in their thinking and thus carnal in their behavior. And that's where Paul was when he came into the kingdom of God, which is why he says, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Now, remember our Lord Jesus said, if anyone commits sin, he becomes the slave of sin. So, you know, the moment we commit sin, you know, we are sold under sin. And a carnal believer is, in fact, in that uh, position. So Paul is now trying to identify what's going on because he's come into the kingdom of God. He's now met the Lord. I mean, the Lord actually appeared to him. Uh, face to face in a vision and spoke to him and you know he had a radical uh, salvation um, and yet when he comes into the kingdom of God as a baby believer he finds that he's doing stuff that he doesn't want to do and he needs to understand why he's doing stuff he doesn't want to do and so we'll pick it up in verse 15 he says for what I am doing I do not understand for what I will to do that I do not practice but what I hate that I do. And so he's picking up this issue because he, he wills to do with his spirit because his spirit is now born again and his spirit now wants to please God. And so that's his, that's his desire. But he says, what I find myself actually doing is stuff that I don't like doing. Um, and so he would lose his temper for argument's sake instead of walking in love when, when a, a brother or sister in Christ upset him. Um, you know, and you now he needs to understand, but Lord, I'm born again. I've met you. I've spoken to you. Um, in, in my heart, I really want to serve you, but I find myself reacting in a way that doesn't tie up with me being a Christian. You see, Paul is needing to understand this because nobody's taught him. He gets his gospel directly from the Lord, don't forget. Um, he says, but what I hate that I do, verse 16, if then I do what I will not to do. I agree with the law that it is good. Okay, so remember at the outset he says the law is spiritual. And so he says, I agree with the law. It is good. God says, love your enemies. God says, bless those who persecute you. And so Paul says, that's, that's right. I agree with it. That's what I should be doing. That's what I want to do. But I find myself not loving my enemies. I find myself actually starting to hate them. And I find myself being envious of people. So he says, um, if, then I, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So the law is good. There's no doubt about it. Verse 17. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Okay? So Paul recognizes that sin is dwelling in him. He's born again, but there's still sin there, and he needs to understand it. Verse 18, he says, For I know that in me, and then he qualifies it. He says, That is in my flesh. So not in his spirit. When he says, I know that in me, he means he says, That is in my flesh. And so now Paul starts to separate the two. He's now identified, wait a minute, the problem lies in my flesh. It's not in my spirit. My spirit's born again. But in I know in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells. And so there's nothing good inside this body that I dwell in. 
of its own, it, it, there's no good inside this body. There's no good in the carnal mind at all. Nothing good dwells in the flesh. For to will is present with me. So he's, he's, he, in, in his spirit, he want, and his will, because man also has a free will. Uh, there's two other parts of man that we haven't really discussed. The conscience, what we kind of touched on it before, and also the will of man. It's really the will of man that is activated when we repent. Um, and that is our decide, that's how we make our decisions with our will. Um, to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. So he's, he's got a problem now. He wants to do, he knows the law is good. Um, inside, that's what he wants to do. And his will, of his own will, that's what he wants to do as well. But he's finding a problem in actually doing it because he has this hindrance in his flesh. He says, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. I haven't found a way to actually start doing this stuff. I haven't found a way to start walking in love. You know, I, I still find myself getting irritated by people that, that say the wrong things to me. So, you know, I haven't yet found out how to get this right because I know I'm changed. I've met the Lord. I've spoken to Him. He's given me the gospel. But I'm not, it's not made, being made manifest through me. And so it's frustration that's kicking in here. Um, Verse 19, for the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. And so, you know, he has to repent, obviously. You know, he gets angry with the brother and he, uh, he loses his temper. He has to go back and repent and say, sorry, you know, I didn't mean that. that. That wasn't me that just came out, you know, I, I, I shouldn't have done what I did. I shouldn't have shouted like I did. Uh, I'm just kind of uh, filling in the blanks here, but that's really what Paul is saying. That I, I practice. Verse 20 says, Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And so he's now really uh, bringing it down to identifying this whole thing. He says, not me doing it. My spirit wants to do the right thing. My will wants to do the right thing. But I'm not doing the right thing. So he says, now I'm realizing that in fact it is sin that is behaving, that is making itself manifest through me. Um, it's not me, it's sin in me that's doing this. The sin in, in me is, is becoming envious of, of um, other people. The sin in me is reacting in, in, a, in a way that I shouldn't be reacting. Verse 21, he says, I find then a law. And so how we get to, to the law that, uh, that Paul discovers, that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. So he realized this is a law. It's not going to go away. The law is there. It's set in place. That evil is present with him. And you know, as long as he's on this planet, that evil remains. It doesn't go away. Um, verse 22. For, now look at what he says here. For I delight in the law of God, according to what Paul, according to the inward man. And the inward man is his spirit being. And so inside of him, in his heart, he's, he delights in the law of God. But he says in verse 23, but I see another law where in my members, members being his physical body, warring against the law of my mind. Now he's talking about his, his transition to his spiritual mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And so our members, uh, the law of sin resides in our members because these members have been inherited from Adam and they have the sin virus that contaminated and God has not done away with that. These bodies remain the same while we're on the earth. 
they don't change. We're going to get our resurrected bodies, which will be completely free from sin. But while we're on this earth, our bodies contain the sin virus. Now look at this, verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And so he really gets frustrated. He says, you know, Lord, I really need to... You, you created this new man inside of uh, me, uh, which is hungry after serving you. But I'm hindered from serving you as you called me to because I'm in this body of death. This sin resides in my body. So who's going to deliver me from this so that I can now walk as you've called me to walk? Um, And then verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God but with the flesh the law of sin. And so God reveals to Paul the secret on how to do this thing. And we do it through faith in Jesus Christ. For it is only Jesus who has ever overcome sin in the flesh. Because don't forget, when our Lord came to the earth, He was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. He, his body had to, be, uh, had to have the same weakness that our bodies have. Otherwise, He couldn't condemn sin in the flesh. We'll have a look at that now. That's exactly what our Lord did. He lived in a body exactly the same as ours, subject to the same weaknesses that our bodies are subject to. And yet he never once committed sin. So he was the only man who was able to overcome sin in the flesh. No other man could do that and has ever been able to do that. Paul couldn't do it as a born-again believer. But God revealed to him, Jesus Christ could and Jesus Christ has. And that's why he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so he he understood the truth of how he could overcome sin in the flesh. And the way we overcome sin in the flesh is by having faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus Christ has done it all. When he was on the earth, he not only took my sin and paid the price for my sin, but he lived a life in a body similar to mine, which was subject to sin and able to commit sin. Otherwise, the Lord was not tempted like I'm tempted. Um, And yet he was, the Bible says, he was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. And so as my physical body is uh, tempted to commit sin, so our Lord's physical body was tempted to commit sin. But he never... uh, gave into that. He never committed any sin. And so he uh, kept his physical body under complete control. And he's the only one who could do it. And no one else has ever been able to do that. And because he has done that, and he now dwells within us, for the Bible says, for it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He lives in me, and by faith in Christ, I can now walk in exactly that same ability of uh, overcoming sin in the flesh. Sin in the flesh doesn't have dominion over me. Why? Because the one who has already conquered sin in the flesh, Jesus Christ, is the one who is in me and empowers me through my spirit to walk in exactly that same manner. And that's what Paul says, I thank God. When he says to God, God, who's going to help me? Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And God reveals to him through Jesus Christ. He says, I thank God through Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
And it's only through faith. That's why the, the, the second doctrine, the most important doctrine of the, the two most important doctrines taught to the church is the doctrine of repentance from dead works. And the second one is faith toward God, because none of it works unless we actually walk by faith. We have to believe it. And so that is where the church needs to get a, a, a hold of, of their faith walk, is they have to believe that Christ in them is, has enabled them, is able to enable them to completely uh, deal with sin in the flesh. That sin in the flesh has no power over them whatsoever. And so, again, that's why we have to do away with these weird statements that Satan has been putting into the church, that we're just sinners. Uh, saved by grace. You know, there's nothing that anybody can do about that. Not at all. Jesus has done something about that. Jesus conquered sin in the flesh and he dwells within me and he enables me to do exactly the same thing. So I can do it by having faith in Christ in me to do it through me. And that's what Paul was getting down to. Let's have a look at another scripture that will help us along that line, which is in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 3. Paul saying, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, because the law came to people and said, you sh thou shalt not covet. But they had no capacity in them not to not covet, because their bodies had the sin virus in them, so the body would only want to ever covet. Their spirits weren't born again, and so they had no capacity not to covet, and so they, co they coveted it. Uh, they committed the sin of covetousness. Um, that's where the law was weak through the flesh because it had no capacity to change a person. Uh, it could tell the person this is right and that's wrong and the person knew it and the person committed the sin and the person had to repent of the sin and be forgiven the sin but still could had no capacity to meet that requirement because the flesh was there and the flesh was uh, contaminated with the sin virus and the flesh would only ever commit sin. He says, for what the law could not do and that was weak through the flesh God did by sending his own son. Wow. In the likeness of sinful flesh. So our Lord Jesus lived in a body that was had the same likeness of sinful flesh that my body has. How God did that, I don't know. Because he, uh, uh, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. And so he did not inherit his body from Adam. But God was able to give him a body that was had the same likeness of sinful flesh that I dwell in. And because he had to partake, the Bible in the book of Hebrews says, he had to partake of flesh and blood just like his brethren. He had to be made just like us. And so that's what God did. Jesus came and he dwelt in a body that is exactly like mine in the likeness of sinful flesh, not in the likeness of righteous flesh. Jesus dwelt in a body in the likeness of sinful flesh. I didn't say that. That's what the Bible says. And it says, on account of sin. He, now get this, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now, how did he do that? He did it because he never committed any sin. So he dwelt in a body that was in the likeness of sinful flesh, just like mine is, but he never succumbed to sin in the flesh. He always walked in righteousness. His body was submissive to him. He uh, exercised dominion over his body. And so sin was never able to... Um, raise its ugly head in the body of Christ, the earthly body of our Lord when he was on the earth. And that is how he condemned sin in the flesh. So not only did our Lord become sin with my sin, and not only did he pay the price for my sin, and not only did his blood wash me clean from all of my sin, but while he was on the earth, he lived in a body exactly like mine, not obviously in looks, 
but the same kind of body that I have in the likeness of sinful flesh. Sinful flesh. Don't forget, our Lord lived in a body in the likeness of sinful flesh. And yet he never once committed any sin. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. He's done it once before. He can do it again. And he dwells within me. And so it's, an, not, it's a non-issue for our Lord Jesus to deal with sin in my flesh uh, through me. In, in my spirit for he dwells within me and he enables me to walk like he walked and the way he walked was he condemned sin in the flesh sin in, in his in his body never materialized because he just didn't let that happen and so sin in our bodies also can never materialize if we allow him to just let uh, take uh, take over from that point of view and and exercise dominion over our flesh and not allow it the other way around Sin, the Bible tells, tells us, shall not have dominion over you, believer. Uh, why? Because Christ has set us free from sin. Verse 4 of that, uh, chapter 8 says, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in Christ. No, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. We have the capacity to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. We have the capacity to walk as Christ walked. Not because of anything we can do, but because he can do it through us. We are required to just believe it. If we walk by faith in this, then we are able to overcome sin in the flesh without any problems whatsoever. Uh, just to finish off that statement, it says that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so we don't walk according to the flesh by the power of God by the power of Christ that dwells within me, by faith in the power of Christ that dwells within me, I overcome sin in the flesh. Sin in the flesh has no dominion over me. And so I walk free from sin, for I walk uh, not according to the flesh. What my flesh wants to do means nothing to me. My flesh is, is, is my servant. I tell my flesh, this is what you're going to eat. This is the time you're going to wake up. This is the time I'm going to put you to bed. I look after my body. Uh, without a doubt, we have to be uh, good stewards of these temples that our Lord has given us. And then we do that. But, uh, you know, my flesh wants to go and, and commit whatever sin. Not going to happen. Because I am the one who is exercising authority of my body. I do not walk according to the flesh. I walk according to my spirit. My spirit uh, energized by the power of God inside of my spirit is well able to overcome sin in the flesh. And so sin in the flesh has no power over the believer. And it's only the flesh that commits sin. Nobody out there forces anybody to, forces you to commit sin. You commit sin by allowing your flesh to have its own way. Simple as that. You, you commit sin by allowing your carnal mind to, to think. Instead of thinking spiritually minded, wait a minute, that's what the Word of God says, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to do what, what the flesh says. And so we have the choice. And we have the choice if we believe that Christ in us uh, can um, enable us to walk free from sin. And that's it. It's a, it's a step of faith. And so you have to get rid of this mindset, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, I'm not. I'm a saint. I'm born again. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Christ in me. The hope of glory dwells within me, and he enables me to... He's already condemned sin in the flesh 
um, it's not an issue for the Lord to, to, to help me to keep my body under. Paul said, I keep my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest after preaching to others, I'm, I should find myself a castaway. And so we do, we keep our bodies under control, but we do it because Christ in us enables us to do that. Let's have a look at another scripture where Paul says the same thing, but he just says it slightly differently. And that's in Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. He says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so there he's contrasting the two again. You've got your flesh, you've got your spirit. Remember, there's nothing good in the flesh. Absolutely nothing. You have to understand that. That your flesh has no good in it at all. It, it's the desire of the flesh is to sin, sin, and sin some more. The desire of the spirit is to walk in righteousness, righteousness, and only righteousness. And so the two are completely against each other. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. And look at this, so that you do not do the things that you wish. There again, he's talking about in Romans. I want to do the good stuff, but I find myself doing the weird stuff. Because why? This sin virus is in my flesh and it's making me do the weird stuff. And so in the book of Galatians, he says exactly the same thing. Your spirit and your flesh are against each other. They're poles apart. And they will never, they're not reconcilable. They cannot be reconciled. What has to happen is the spirit has to dominate the flesh, not the other way around. Um, if you allow the flesh to dominate the spirit, sin is what you're going to get. If you allow the spirit to dominate the flesh, righteousness is what you're going to get. That's where we go. And that's how we overcome this thing. Verse 24. And those who are Christ's, who's Christ? The ones who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so we have crucified the flesh. How? Christ crucified the flesh for us. And when we died, we died with Christ. When Christ died, we died with Him. When He was raised from the dead, we were raised together with Him. And so when Christ was crucified... Our flesh was crucified at exactly the same time. And so sin in the flesh, although it's powerful, has no power over the believer who believes in Christ um, overcoming sin in the flesh in them and through them. It's by faith. And if you begin to believe that and confess that and meditate upon that, you will overcome sin in the flesh in, 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 in a matter of no time. It doesn't take... A lot of time for this to happen. Uh, it almost happens instantly because now God's involved. Because it's not you trying to overcome the flesh. You can't overcome your flesh because now what you're trying to do is out of your own will. It's almost like the flesh trying to overcome the flesh. It can't be. It can't happen. Um, but if you believe that Christ in you has already crucified uh, the flesh and that Christ in you has already condemned sin in the flesh and He's living through you, for it is no longer, but the, the book of Galatians teaches us, 2 verse 20 I think it is, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ Jesus who lives in me. And the life I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me, that I might live for him. And so that is what will cause us to overcome sin in the flesh, is when we, by faith, exercise um, our dominion over our flesh by walking in the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, we will completely overcome sin in the flesh. Let's just have a look at 
another scripture that will just uh, help us along this line. Um, but you, we do need to understand that the, the flesh, there's just nothing good in it. And that's where the sin comes from. The righteousness comes from our heart, from our spirit. The sin comes from the flesh. And so we have to keep our bodies under. And we can only do that by believing in Christ Jesus, doing it through us. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 17 to 13. I've already kind of quoted it, but we can just put it out there again. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. And so as long as we're going to walk in any part of our flesh, we're always going to sin. Because the carnal mind just can't be subjective to the law of God. It, 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 it's impossible for the carnal mind to uh, be submissive to the law of God. It's against the law of God. And so if you walk in a carnal mind, you will always be at enmity against God. Verse 13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so the flesh has no good um, consequence for the believer. And it is up to us as believers, purely as believers, that's the point that I really need to get across here, to stay away from sin. Um, the Apostle Peter put it this way. He said, therefore, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered where in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. And so the flesh will rebel. The flesh uh, to be denied its desire to commit sin uh, will, uh, you know, will rebel, will, will certainly um, fight against that. And that's why Peter says, he who has suffered where? In the flesh has ceased from sin. And so when you stop sinning, when you say to your flesh, no, we're not going to do that anymore, we're going to do this, um, your flesh suffers. And so that's why it says, he who has suffered where? In the flesh has ceased from sin. So when, you're, when you stop sinning, your flesh suffers. Uh, but the Spirit is great. The Spirit is, is at liberty, and the Spirit... Um, you're able to then live for the will of God. But uh, as I say, it, it's going to be, uh, your flesh is not going to take it kindly when you say to your flesh, no, we don't do that anymore. We don't think like that anymore. We don't behave like that anymore uh, because it's no longer we who live, it's Christ who lives in us. Christ doesn't do that. Christ never did that when he was on the earth. He's not doing that through me now. And I'm walking, it's Christ living in me and it's Christ living through me. And so I overcome sin in the flesh. And again, just to re-emphasize the fact that, that um, these carnal bodies come from Adam, he says in Acts 17, verse 26, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined the pre-appointed uh, times and boundaries of the dwellings. And so it's from that one blood source, Adam's blood, that uh, all of us have inherited these physical bodies. And those, that blood was contaminated when Adam committed sin. And that virus is in these, these bodies. And so it doesn't go away. And so until the time that we leave these bodies, we'll have to keep our bodies under all the time. They're just not going to stop wanting to commit sin. But it's an easy thing for us to overcome sin in the flesh. Because the more mature you become, the, the stronger your spirit becomes. Because don't forget, uh, you have to grow spiritually as well. There's, all of this is linked in. Um, only... Uh, uh, 
born-again believers can grow strong in spirit. The Old Testament saints couldn't do that. They could never grow strong in spirits because they were never born again. Our spirits are born again, but they're born again as babes. And so they have to grow, and so we feed them on the Word of God. And as our spirits become stronger and stronger and stronger, um, it becomes a very easy thing for our spirits to dominate our flesh and for us to walk in the Spirit and to be spiritually minded and no longer think along carnal uh, uh thought processes um, but nevertheless the sin virus doesn't go away it remains there it might be dormant because you know we just don't let it raise its head uh, but it's still there and so we always keep it under we just don't ever give our bodies the opportunity to do what they want to do and that's all they want to do is commit sin um, because that's where the sin from a, a believer comes from comes from their flesh nowhere else even Satan himself, he can't put sin on us. Uh, he can only entice us to walk in the flesh because he knows if he can get us into the flesh, we will then naturally sin because that's all the flesh knows to do is to commit sin. And so we just keep our bodies under and we live in the spirit. We walk in the spirit uh, and we allow the spirit man on the inside of us to dominate us. And then we to respond in love is an e easy issue. In fact, it, it, you know, to, to try and respond in any other manner, you know, you, you, it's just completely foreign to you because you, you are, are that spiritual in your thinking and you are that strong in your spirit that uh, that is the natural thing for you to do. And it becomes an unnatural thing for you to now say, wait a minute, let me give my, my flesh some time and let it give me some pointers on how it wants to behave. No, you, you just never defer to your flesh. The flesh is there as your servant. Um, and as I say, you tell your body what it's going to do, you tell it what it's going to eat, you tell it what substances it's going to partake of, what substances it won't partake of. You tell it what um, the way it will behave morally. You, you, you dictate to your body according to the Word of God as you have it in you because you were born again. And so the believer who continues to live in the flesh will continue to live in sin. The believer who uh, begins to walk in the Spirit and walk, continue to walk in the Spirit will walk in righteousness. It's, a, it's that simple. When we walk in the Spirit, we walk in righteousness. When we walk in the flesh, we walk in sin. And that is where we're going to end the teaching on for today. Amen.